from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Folklife Today. I'm John Fenn, the head of research and programs at the American Folklife Center. And I'm here with Steve Winnick, a folklife specialist at the American Folklife Center and the creator of the Folklife Today blog. Ahoy! When Steve says ahoy, you know we're going to be talking about sea shanties. All of you out there in social media land might be hearing about the sudden popularity of sea shanties, which have been blowing up on TikTok recently. And here at the American Folklife Center, we have some of the greatest collections of sea shanty field recordings in the world. So if you're a devoted fan of Shanty Talk and you're looking for material, the American Folklife Center is a great resource. And it just so happens that my co-host, Steve Winnick, is our staff sea shanty specialist, both as a scholar and as a singer. So we decided to give you an introduction to our shanties. That's right. Everything old is new again, and apparently that applies to sea shanties as well. So let's begin with the basics. What are shanties? Well, some people use the word to mean any song sung by sailors, and some of the most popular TikTok shanties aren't technically shanties. Properly speaking, shanties are work songs sung aboard ships and boats. The word shanty referring to this kind of song turns up in the 1850s in the context of shipboard singing. So I've seen the word spelled with an S and I've seen it spelled with a C. What's the deal with that? Yeah, the discrepancy goes back to the earliest days of the word. I only know of two instances of the word in writing from the 1850s, one of which is spelled with a C and one with an S. The theory is that the word comes from the French chanter, to sing, which would explain why it would begin with a CH but sound like an English SH. An alternate theory is that the songs came to sailors from loggers who used similar work songs and who sometimes drove logs right down the rivers to waiting ships where they would meet the sailors. Loggers lived in buildings called shanties, so the theory is that these were shanty songs, which sailors then abbreviated to shanties. There's no really direct evidence for either etymology, but if I had to bet, I'd bet on chanté. All right, so let's hear a field recording. What's our first shanty, Steve? This is a song called Pay Me My Money Down. Now, I think a lot of people may know this from Bruce Springsteen, who recorded it on his album, The Seeger Sessions. And of course, Bruce learned it from Pete Seeger. Exactly. But Pete Seeger learned it from the Sea Island singers from coastal Georgia. And that's who we'll hear singing it in a field recording by Alan Lomax. Excellent. Let's hear it. Pay me, pay me, pay me my money down. Pay me, Mr. Stephen Doe. Pay me my money down. Oh, pay me, oh, pay me, pay me my money down. Pay me your good jail. Pay me my money down. Think I heard my captain say, oh, pay me my money down. Tomorrow is my sailing day. Pay me my money down. Oh, 
pay me or go to jail. You pay me my money down. <laughs> so I've heard the full field recording, Steve, and they talk about singing the song while loading lumber into the hold of a schooner. So I guess they weren't sailors themselves. Is this really a shanty? That's a very good question. Yes, it is. The first time this song turns up in any source, it's one of the very first articles on shanties from the Atlantic Monthly in 1858. So it was definitely sung aboard ships, but the specific verses about pay me or go to jail aren't in that version. So what's going on in those verses? Well, the prevailing story is that it reflects the time just after emancipation when white bosses might be trying to get out of paying their black laborers, and the roustabouts had to be pretty assertive to demand their money. Whether that story is fully true or not, I wanted to include the song to represent the centrality of African Americans and Afro-Caribbean people to the shanty tradition, which is often forgotten. Some of the most reliable sources on shanties tell us that often the most valued singer on board a ship was a black sailor, and we can see the connections between shanties and field haulers and other land-based work songs that African Americans knew. Okay, so as we said, shanties are types of work songs. What's the general function of a work song? Well, the main reason to sing these songs was to coordinate the labor. We think the shanty had antecedents going back a long way, but as a developed genre, it probably dates to the mid-19th century when shipping companies were trying to deliver more cargo with fewer paid sailors, making it really important to maximize the work you could get out of a few men. Tasks on board ship often required several men to pull on a rope or work a lever on a windlass at exactly the same time, and a song could really help you to do that more efficiently. One of the words used for pulling on a rope was haul, and you get that word in a lot of the classic shanties, including haul on the bolin. People say this song goes back to the time of Henry VIII because that's when the bolin was an important rope to haul on, but I don't actually believe that. As I said, shanties didn't really rise to importance until the 19th century, and there's no evidence of this particular song before the 1850s. So the recording we have is a retired sailor named Richard Maitland. He was living at Sailor's Snug Harbor in Staten Island, which was a retirement home for sailors, and Alan Lomax recorded him in 1939. Now, this is a short song that's usually used in pulling after sheep, hauling down a tack. So a short haul shanty like that was used for tasks where you had to pull strongly down on the rope a few times, in that case on the word haul. 
But there were also songs for more sustained tasks like setting sails using movable yards, which were spars that could slide up or down along their section of mast. So our next song is for that task, and that kind of shanty is often called a halyard shanty after the rope that moves that yard. The song is known as Dead Horse. Wait, Dead Horse? That's kind of a weird title. Yeah, I'll mention that on our website, this song is called Poor Old Man, but when we released it on an album, first starting in the 1950s and then on CD in the 1990s, we changed the title to Dead Horse. And that's because it's referring to a particular tradition among sailors, and it refers specifically to the sailor's advance. Usually, the sailor went to sea after his credit ran out ashore. So he used an advance on his wages to pay his creditor, which was usually the boarding house master where he lived. And then, for the first one to three months of his voyage, he was just working off his debt, which was known as paying for a dead horse. They sometimes had a little ceremony featuring an effigy horse when the horse was paid off and the sailor was actually earning money. I guess that makes sense. Now, the next recording we have is Captain Leighton Robinson with a group of singing sailors. They were recorded by Sidney Robertson Cowell in California in 1939. A poor old man came riding along, and we say so, and we hope. Steve, you've explained some of the kinds of work that needed coordinating. Were there other reasons to sing shanties, though? Well, there was one main other reason, which was just to relieve the boredom of repetitive tasks. Some tasks on the ship, like pumping out the hold or raising the anchor by means of a capstan, were just boring. They needed the men to work at basically the same speed, but not with the precision of setting sail. And they had a type of shanty with more sustained singing from the workers, often called a capstan shanty. And one of the best known is the Amsterdam Maid, which was kind of a racy song. And we're going to hear Charles J. Finger sing it. He was a prolific author, but had also sailed in tall ships and sung shanties during the shipboard work. He published collections of sea shanties and of cowboy songs. So he was kind of a fan of John Lomax, who was one of the first scholars and collectors to work on cowboy songs. Finger visited the Library of Congress in 1937, and John and Alan Lomax recorded him. The chorus here is sung by Finger's daughter, who came with him to Washington, along with the Lomaxes. Amsterdam Maid, a sailor shanty, sung by Charles J. Finger of Fayetteville, Arkansas, in the Elizabeth Sprague Coolidge Auditorium, Library of Congress, June the 5th, 1937. 
In Amsterdam I met a maid, Mark well what I do say. In Amsterdam I met a maid, And she was mistress of her trade. I'll go no more a roving with you, fair maid. A roving, a roving, since roving's been my ruin. I'll go no more a roving with you, fair maid. I touch. This fair maid on the toe, Mark, well, what I do say. I touched this fair maid on the toe, said she, young man, you're very, very low. I'll go no more roving with you, fair maid. All together, boys, are roving, since roving's been my ruin, I'll go no more roving with you, Fatman. Make fast there, boys. <laughs> you know, hearing Charles J. Finger's daughter singing along there reminds me that we haven't heard many women singing shanties. That's quite true. It was unusual for women to go to sea as working sailors, and most commercial shipping lines wouldn't hire them back in the days of shanties. So do we have any recordings of women singing these songs? We do, and for that, we'll go to the Caribbean, where in some shore-based communities, people did tasks like rowing and hauling nets as fishermen, and even hunting whales from shore-based boats. In these communities, you did seafaring tasks, but didn't need to set sail for months in order to do them. So women participated more in that kind of work. And in those communities, women knew and sang shanties. Great. Let's hear one of those. This is We All Going Ashore by a group of men and women from Anguilla, including Florence Brooks and Edith Lloyd. Captain, Captain, where are you born? Oh, we are going ashore. Oh, one and two and another. Oh, we are going ashore. I love the more pronounced polyphony that you hear in the African-American and Caribbean versions of sea shanties. You can hear the African heritage and the continuity with that in these songs quite clearly. I agree. And of course, even in the version sung by white people, there are a lot of African influences. The shanty was really a syncretic genre. And as most of the early observers and later scholars mention, African, Celtic, and English music and song seem to have been the main ingredients in English language sea shanties. So I'm assuming that we haven't exhausted our supply of shanties. Not by a long shot. 
All of the people and groups that we played today have more recordings online. More than that, there are some really great singers we didn't have time to feature, like a retired sailor named Patrick Taylor, whom I wrote a whole article about and whom I want to do a whole episode on someday. Uh, we also have several collectors like James Madison Carpenter and Robert Winslow Gordon, who collected on wax cylinders and in manuscript form. So these are not ideal for a podcast, but they're still fascinating. There's a whole lot of material to explore online at loc.gov. Yes, and there's also a good bit at culturalequity.org, which is the Alan Lomax archive site. But I bet you're blogging about shanties too, Steve. That's right. If you go to blogs.loc.gov slash folklife, you can look for my posts on shanties there. So we have one last shanty to give you, because Steve himself is a shanty singer with a group called Ship's Company Shantymen. In 2018, they performed in our Archive Challenge concert at the library, and we have some of that audio. Yes, this is from one of those collections where there are a lot of manuscript items with no audio, so you need someone to bring these alive. And I took up that challenge with my friends Mike Bosworth, Myron Peterson, and Dallas Valley. Before we go, let's thank all of the collectors and singers we featured in this episode, as well as the team at the American Folklife Center that puts the podcast together, including our engineer, John Gold. We also want to thank all of our colleagues at the Library of Congress who help us deploy this podcast. We put me on at the end so you can turn me off whenever you want, for which... You're very welcome. But before that, we should also say thanks to all of you for listening to the Folklife Today podcast. Our first song was collected by James Madison Carpenter, who was a great American collector of the 1920s and early 1930s, kind of an underrepresented era in folk song collecting. And he collected both in the United States and in the UK. He was American. He was from Mississippi, in fact. But he was a Harvard scholar, and he was really interested in sea shanties and nautical music. He actually wrote his dissertation about that. But his advisor was a man named George Lyman Kittredge, and Kittredge had been the assistant of Francis James Child, who is such a famous ballad scholar that we have a subgenre of ballads that we refer to as child ballads. And one of the reasons that Carpenter was very interested in this particular song is that it is a sea shanty, and it's a very well-known sea shanty. It's a version of Blow the Man Down, which is possibly the best-known sea shanty there is. But the lyrics are totally different from most other versions of Blow the Man Down, except for the refrains. And the lyrics are, in fact, one of these child ballads, which is a story about the devil. Carpenter collected this combination of Blow the Man Down and the devil ballad twice in New York City at Sailor's Snug Harbor in Staten Island, which was a retired sailor's home, and once in South Wales in Cardiff. And I kind of combined the verses from, the, from these three versions of this song uh, to get the one that we're going to do. As I was a-walking one morning in spring, way, hey, blow the man down. I found myself next to an old country inn. Give me some time to blow the man down. I sat myself down and I ordered some gin. Way, hey, blow the man down. A commercial traveler was the next to come in. Give me some time to blow the man down. We talked of the weather and things of the day. 
Way, hey, blow the man down, says he, here's a story I've learned on my way. Give me some time to blow the man down, it's of a poor tailor in London did dwell. Way, hey, blow the man down, the devil he came to him once out of hell. Give me some time to blow the man down, says he, my good friend, now I've come a long way, way, hey, blow the man down, especially this visit to you for to pay. Give me some time to blow the man down, not you nor your son nor your daughter I crave. Way, hey, blow the man down, it's your dirty old wife, she's a drunken old jade. Give me some time to blow the man down, so the devil he bundled her into a sack. Way, hey, blow the man down, and away down to hell with the wife on his back. Give me some time to blow the man down. There were three little imps there stood outside the gates. Way, hey, blow the man down. She pulled off her slipper and stove in their pates. Give me some time to blow the man down. Three more little devils were bound down in chains. Way, hey, blow the man down. She took off the other and bashed in their brains. Give me some time to blow the man down. These six little devils for mercy did bawl. Way, hey, blow the man down. Saint Chuck them out, Daddy, she'll murder us all. Give me some time to blow the man down. She can't live in heaven, she's not fit for hell. Way, hey, blow the man down. I'm thinking that London's a place she could dwell. Give me some time to blow the man down. So the devil, he bundled her back in the sack. Way, hey, blow the man down and back to the tailor with her on his back. Give me some time to blow the man down. She went down to hell and she came back again. Way, hey, blow the man down, which proves that the women are tougher than men. Give me some time to blow the man down. Thank you. That was James Madison Carpenter's version of Blow the Man Down, mostly from Dennis O'Connor's in New York City. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.